For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. It's time to start free agency discussion. We spent the last two weeks talking about each Titans position group on both sides of the ball and what needs to happen there over the offseason. Now we sit here just two weeks out, less than two weeks out from the start of free agency because the negotiation period begins uh, the Monday of, of two weeks from now. So we're less than two weeks away from this getting underway. By the way, as we get this discussion started, because what we're going to do today is we're going to go through the major positions where the Titans have needs. We're going to talk about guys that do make sense and don't make sense. We're also going to talk about for each of those positions, a high ball guy, you know, a Bud Dupree type that they might go out and, and spend some high dollar for at those positions. And we'll also talk about a low ball type, a, a Jack Rabbit Jenkins type who can come in and play a role but might not take a whole lot of money to do so. First, though, public service announcement. I feel like I definitely said this last year. I can't remember if I make have made this an annual thing. I guess it is now. Um can we please stop using the term legal tampering period or even just tampering period? Because one of the key parts of the definition of the word tampering is that it is not legal. Tampering is naturally a nefarious act. And so if it is legal, it cannot be tampering. It is the negotiation period. Right? Am I making sense here? Am I the only one that gets bothered by this? Uh, it, it doesn't bother me, but you're right. It, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's like an oxymoron. Like it, it doesn't exactly. really. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I would say probably negotiation period um, sounds better, and it makes more sense. But uh, the media seems to love the term legal tampering, or the NFL does at least. Uh, I, I I don't know what the deal is with that, uh, but it's so stupid, honestly. Just like just call it what it is. That they're just talking to the players. Uh, I mean, it should be called like enforced patience or something, because that like <laughs> that's the thing is it's like it's all these guys getting all the money thrown at them, but instead of the old days when they were just like, okay, let's you know. Let's go ahead and sign. They they're forced to wait and actually hear out other offers. So, uh, I mean, tampering like legal tampering is a weird way to do it because, I, I mean, 
it is like you said like by definition it doesn't make sense but like i mean i get it and i never think about it until you bring it up and then it does kind of get under my skin in a weird way i i just think yeah it's an oxymoron like you said matthias Uh, it it doesn't like grind my gears it's just every time i see it i'm like why do we call it that and i get that tampering does happen there's gonna be plenty of that at the combine this weekend i remember reading a great story uh, a few years back, I want to say it was SI, maybe in the athletic, but gut says it was SI about tampering at the combine. Like it happens, but but that's actually tampering. Once it becomes legal, it, it is just negotiating, but you can't actually sign the dotted line yet. Because Monday, that will be when the big names uh, get inked and, and agree to terms on deals. So. What do we think, guys, is the biggest need for the Titans? Because I, I think we know what the needs are. We talked about them before the show. We wrote them down. But which is the biggest? Where Where do you look at heading into free agency and you say, man, they got to get someone at this spot more than any other? For me, I feel like it's I feel like it's tight end. If that room is was a disaster last year. Um, and I know tight end isn't particularly the most important position on the field, but I do think it could give you a big plus if you have uh, one or two good tight ends. But the Titans just had they had none. They had literally no good tight ends uh, last year. Ferkshaw was a complete liability, did not take the step we thought he would. Um, Luke's favorite player, Jeff Swaim, is the slowest player in the NFL, possibly. Um <laughs> Uh, Pruitt was good. Pruitt, Pruitt was good. Yeah, actually. Um, but he's like very limited. Like he's a good blocker and every now and then he, he can get open and, and actually catch the ball. Um, but then they had guys like Ryan Izzo, um, come in and, and start taking snaps and it was just, it was just bad. Like, and it, they really need to retool that entire, that entire room. And, and I think they will, we could possibly see three or four completely new faces. Um, and I think, Given the free agency pool, um, pool of talent available at the tight end position, they could really they could do some damage there. Uh, you, you made the joke about my favorite player, Jeff Swaim. It, it was as if it was a law of nature to where I would be watching a game this season and I would turn to the person next to me and say, "Man, they gotta find this guy is the slowest guy." And then, like the next play, it's like a a wide screen to him for 15 yards, and I just get stares. I'm like, it!" That's not to say that he was fantastic, but every time I complained, that would, those would be like the one time he would do something. Yeah, that's, that's sort of been uh, most of the players I seem to smash on Twitter where I'll be like, great, another one of these plays, and then it immediately works, and I'm like, I promise it hasn't worked the rest of the times, but luckily Downing gave me enough chances to, you know, hate on everybody just the appropriate amount. Well, it, t- it is tied in though. Like just to go back to the original question, like they don't have anybody there, uh, like under contract, uh, or like I think they have Tommy Hudson or whatever. Um, they do have Briley Moore, which is interesting. Uh, Jim White said that today that they've got him under contract for three years based on the original deal that they had, and that didn't get broken in the preseason so they did like him but i mean obviously they're not expecting him to be anything it's just another guy you might have uh, but yeah like you've got to have like it doesn't have to be 
an elite receiver and it doesn't have to be the best blocker. It's like, but they need to sign somebody who can fill some sort of role. So they know what to go after in the draft. If they want to spend a draft pick on that position. So let's start there. Tight end free agency. Who are some names that you look at and you think, yeah, this might make sense for the Titans. In terms of making sense, I feel like they're not really going to splash the cash. Um, so I can see them going for more of a, of a mid-tier guy. Gerald Everett kind of sticks out to me. I, I don't know really how good of a player he is. I saw him have some some pretty bad games for the Seahawks this past year. Um, but he's done some good things in the past uh, with the Rams. He had a couple of good games with the Seahawks. He's a really good pass catcher. Um, not that great of a blocker, but he's pretty much a better version of Ferkser, a more athletic version of Ferkser, a faster version of Ferkser. Um, and he's someone who I think could make sense because I don't think he's really going to cost that much, especially given that he didn't have a, that great of a season with the Seahawks. Um, and I think he was on like a one-year, a one $6 million contract with them. So if they could get him for like, I don't know, $4.5, $5 million, that's something I could see the Times doing for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, I I truly have no idea, right? So, like, you look at everything, like, and I know none of us do really right now, but you look at what free agency could be and all the past, like, resources they put in into, like, tight end, it's like nothing. So it's like, throughout all of John Robinson's history, he has treated it like, not even like a secondary position, like a third background position. So... Are they suddenly going to flip a switch and invest now? Like, are they like just because they're so bad? Does that mean that they're going to go out and sign a blue chip guy? Like, I, I mean, we talk about like Bud Dupree and you know all the like just filling needs when, when they had them last year, and that's true. But historically, because I did this last year and it didn't change, um, I looked at how much draft capital Robinson had spent at every position. Uh, And then he like he had spent one fifth round pick on Luke Falk and a third round pick on Jonu Smith. And it was the only position that he'd only drafted one player at. So it's like no, no position in, you know, John Robinson's history has been as, you know, neglected or whatever as tight end. So. I don't know, like every now and then I'm like, it would be great if they did a Bud Dupree thing and they just went out and, you know, threw money down and got somebody. But it just is so, you know, opposite of what Robinson has done throughout his whole career. I I truly have no idea. I think an interesting question, though, is they got to get better at this position. Obviously, the question is how better. And And another question that sets that up is, how much are they going to use these guys? Because the Titans do run a lot of 12 personnel, two tight end sets. So so that is a thing there. But, you know, I don't think that they're going to be in a position where they're going after a tight end a lot in either the pass game or the run game, right? Well, I don't know. You don't, don't go know. after a tight end in the run game. That didn't make any sense. But you get what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't know what really is in Todd Downing's head. So I have no idea what vision he actually has um, for the offense. If it's the same type of offense that we've seen for the past couple of seasons, 
um, where they're using two tight ends pretty frequently, I would assume they like have to at least look at it somewhat, you know, serious, but they just haven't done so in the past. They really haven't cared. But also they've had Delaney Walker in the past. They had Johnny Smith for uh, for uh, a couple of a few seasons. Um, So maybe they do feel that that they need at least one talented um, tight end. And then you can kind of get a hodgepodge uh, of of decent to, you know, average tight ends um, behind him. But, yeah, I I don't know. I I really don't know how they're going to attack it. Um, We'll see. It's definitely one of the more interesting um, roster spots uh, on the team. So another thing to talk about when you talk about tight end is do they look, do the coaches in the front office look at last season and just say, we can't go out there with no weapons again, because that's what happened for the middle, like six weeks of the season, right? Like they didn't have any, like they had five, like Hilliard and uh, Foreman were fine at running back. Like they weren't great. They weren't terrible, but like they're nothing special, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but they were much better than the tight ends and the wide receivers they had out there. So are they just like, we need to find guys who can make plays and think less about positions because there's going to be times where we just need somebody who can catch a ball and not roll it directly to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense like Ferkser did. Like, I, I wonder if that changes at all. Like, just the idea of, you know, it, it's it's less, the NFL is less of a, you know, this guy plays this position, this position only. Like you use more of those hybrid type players, which the Titans really haven't had a lot of in the past. So I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with that because the whole the macro of this offseason is make Ryan Tannehill more comfortable so he looks like he did in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. So that guy, that guy how sucks. do you do that? Yeah, I know he's terrible. <laughs> um for me, when I evaluate the Titans and Titans what I think the need is there comes down to this. Personnel predictability. What John o. Smith was so good at and why he was so valuable, and again, they made the right choice with him, had to let New England make that mistake. Uh, but when he was out there, you, it didn't scream run or pass because he was good at both. They've got to go find someone that has similar versatility. Now, you're probably not going to find someone as fast and explosive as Jonu Smith, who's also that good of a blocker. But it can't be like Anthony Ferkser, who telegraphs a pass, or Jeff Swaim, who telegraphs a run. you got to find someone that can do a little bit of both. And, and those guys are out there. That is going to be possible to find someone like that. But I think whether that person comes through free agency or the draft, they gotta find one because there was there were too many times last season where I'm sitting there watching this game. I'm like, okay, I know this is gonna be a run. Certainly, the much smarter than me defensive coordinator on that other sideline knows this is gonna be a run. Yeah, one hundred percent, and it's what makes some of the best offenses um, in the league so good. They have tight ends that are two way players. Um, and when some of some, when they're out there, you know, yeah, you're not telegraphing them. It's going to be, um, a run or a pass. And then they're also talented, um, and they could really help your passing offense. So hopefully the Titans 
can get that. I, I don't know if they could really get that through free agency, at least an elite type of talent at tight end. I think that would have to come through the draft and then development uh, that way. But there are good free agent tight ends out there that, like you said, aren't only really good receivers, aren't only really good blockers, but they could do both things rather well. And they're probably going to get paid handsomely for it. Hopefully the Titans don't get priced out, but if they wanted to, they could spend up a little bit and, and get some of these some of these more talented tight ends that are out there. Yeah, and you can't you can't find that in the draft, right? Like they like you cannot find a rookie tight end that does everything a tight end is supposed to do. That's true. Like, that that it, position just, recently has proven to be a a longer developing one. Yeah, and if you're like this is the the Titans are not the team to spend a high draft pick this year on a guy who they need to play and you know cuz that's just not who they are. Like they'll take big swings on high high position value players because they might turn out to be great, but they're you know Robinson has never, you know, spent a, a high pick on a guard. You know, he's never spent you know, look how many picks it took him to draft Derrick Henry. Like they just didn't deem it a valuable, valuable enough position, even though they really like Derrick Henry. Obviously, you know that. Like they just, I don't, I don't know. Like it, like so, you're not going to be up high enough to draft somebody to fill that role, and that you can't even do that if you have a first round tight end anyway. So, like, if you're going to spend in free agency and you're going to spend. Six million dollars on a tight end, you might as well pony up and spend eight, nine million, and you know get the third best tight end on the market instead of the sixth. This is probably separate from the versatility conversation. How much do we think Hayden Hurst is going to cost? Not a lot. A couple million, maybe. That's it. That that would be about my guess. That's an upgrade over Ferkser in the third down specialist category, easily. Didn't he get didn't he get traded for like a second round pick? Well no, the like the Ravens had a million tight ends and sent him to Atlanta and then they drafted Kyle Pitts. Yeah, but like I mean he's gonna be like Hurst's gonna be a free agent. But I'm saying like didn't like wasn't it not too long ago that he got traded for a second round pick? Like let me see. Uh, you're saying that like that's an indictment. I know he he probably hasn't lived up to his first rounder status, but no, no. What I'm saying is I don't think he'll be cheap because oh, okay. if you value somebody, I thought somebody you were trying to make you know, the opposite argument. It's like didn't he just no? Get no, my argument is no. My argument is even if we don't think a lot about him, like the league obviously thinks high enough about him to where it garnered a second round pick in trade value. And maybe, maybe that was just the Falcons who valued him that high, but rarely is it just one team that loves a guy so much more than everybody else that they outbid themselves. So I I don't know, like he's banged up. Like it's not like he's made a huge impact or anything. Like he's been primarily a blocker, but he's been able to do a little bit of everything. But like, I, I, I wonder how much his value has dropped, but I mean, if you can get him cheap, it makes sense like i mean he's a good player yeah i i mean i just don't know what the market is going to be like because uh, well i saw that report on njoku that he might make double digit millions yeah per year crazy was it per year 
yeah, ten million per year is what the the Browns were going to pay him ten million per year. But it's because he hates it in Cleveland, and they have to overpay. Like, I mean, like he's but he's they don't even use him like six times. So, so yeah, weird. Yeah, it's like they like it's the uh, I forget who it was, but the Lions a long time ago had a defensive tackle that they like franchise tagged twice in a row, and he was making like like so much money like way above market value but like they just wouldn't let him go because he was like their only good player like it it has a lot of that like those vibes to it where it's just like they're holding them hostage by just saying like you know we're gonna double the offer that anybody else has given you i mean this is pro this is a strong free agency group overall there's lots of names jimmy graham sucks but Gronk, you know, who knows what's happening there. C.J. Uzama, Eric Ebron, we talked about Everett, Jared Cook, Max Williams, Mo Alley-Cox, Robert Tony. Like, there are names here that are going to help teams win games next season. Yeah, and it's deep. Like, it's not usually uh, classes are either deep or they're, you know, top-heavy. Yeah. Uh, the, the Titan class, you have a couple of, I wouldn't say elite, but very above average tight ends. I would say Gesicki and Schultz are pretty, pretty legit. Like they're probably going to make double digit millions per year, I would say. Um, and they're two of the better tight ends, probably two of the best 10 or eight tight ends um, in the NFL. But then you keep dropping down and you still have names that are solid. They're probably not going to make as much money as, you know, uh, others, but they're going to contribute. A lot of them are going to be starters. Um, and even like some of the guys that that are cheaper have been starters in the past. Like I know he played for the Jaguars, but James O'Shaughnessy was like a pretty solid tight end last year for the Jaguars when he wasn't injured. Then you have Max Williams who got injured, but was a pretty important part of the Arizona Cardinals passing offense while he was healthy last year. He was finally putting it all together. And those guys are going to be really cheap. I think um, same goes for like someone like Will Disley. Um, who really struggled with injuries on the Seahawks. But whenever he played, he was impactful um, and got a good amount of snaps. So it's deep, it's talented, and I really think the Titans should take a long, hard look at double dipping this year for sure. Yeah, like the double dipping thing is interesting too because, again, like it would be so unprecedented for them to do that because – like they usually pick like pick guys and then they supplement them or like they, they build around them in the draft with like high upside guys, but they kind of patch their holes in free agency and then take their swings in the draft. And for them to, them to double dip would be, I mean, like it's not, it's not bad. Like you said, like it's so deep. Like, I mean, if you get like the sixth and the 12th best tight ends, like it'll probably cost you what, like, 13 million per year, 12 million per year. And you'll get like two significant upgrades over what you had before. Like, I mean, that's not a lot of money for a lot of improvement. So it it, it will be interesting to see. All right, let's play our game. One high money tight end that's a fit. One low money tight end that's a fit. I'll start. Low money. uh, This is someone that the three of us have, have talked about before. I don't think we've talked about it on air. Uh, my low money tight end is Mo Alley Cox. I think that he fits some of that versatility stuff. 
Yeah, I like him. He's always like made splash plays for the Colts. Um, I'm pretty sure he's like a converted basketball player, um, but super athletic. He always seems to make these long catches, really athletic plays on the ball. Um, he's been one of the Colts, honestly, best receivers, period, um, over the last couple of seasons, um, just because they really haven't had talented receivers and they've used him kind of as a de facto one. He's a good player. Like, I would definitely um, be down to to sign him. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much it would cost, but he's some someone that would definitely make sense. Plus, Titans know him um, very well from having to play him uh, twice a year. Um, I mentioned. So, uh, my, I was just saying, my high money guy, just to round myself out, is uh, CJ Uzama. I think that would make sense. Okay, and I just did a quick Google search. I haven't seen anything about you know the Bengals being in in works with him or anything like that. I think he could be a fit. Yeah, for sure. He was awesome in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how much he's going to make, really, because um, I know he was on a contract with them. Uh, he was on $6 million per. I feel like he would go back to the Bengals, but, um, he but yeah, gives, I don't He know. gives me big Michael Ower after the Ravens won the Super Bowl vibes, where it's <laughs> like he got so much attention uh, because he, like, he got so much attention because they kept calling his name, but his value is so amplified by the fact that like he did a couple of good things in big spots. Like you look, you look at Uzama and he has, you know, he had a career year at 28 last year and then he only has one other year with more than 250 yards receiving, you know, in the last six years before that, it's like that, that would scare me to pay big money to that guy. All right, Matthias, what do you got? Yeah, so I mentioned some of my low-money guys uh, before. I mentioned Will Disley, Max Williams, James O'Shaughnessy. Um, I would probably go for Max Williams, I think. He finally started to put it all together um, after he was a high, highly drafted player a couple of years ago. Um, and he looked really good in that Cardinals offense. Um, really good as a receiver. thought he was a pretty decent blocker um, as well. haven't really read much on his recovery, but... I think that's going to keep his price down for sure. The talent has always been there. He just hasn't really been able um, to put it all together. But I think he's going to be cheap. Um, he's a guy who could have two-way ability as both a receiver and a blocker. Um, and I think he would make sense. I think he, he would be worth uh, the gamble. And for a high-money guy, man, I, I'm, I'm between Schultz and Gasicki. I, I love watching Gasicki, so I'm going to pick Gasicki. I don't know how much... He's going to make, I feel like it's going to be a lot. He's coming off back-to-back 700-yard seasons, and that's with the Dolphins, uh, with Fitzpatrick and Tua. He's just super athletic, such a good route runner, such a good catcher. He makes these spectacular catches, Um, and he's pretty much just a receiver in a tight end's body. He's not a terrible blocker. Granted, he's not really asked to do it all that often, um, but he's just a guy that could really transform your offense. Plus, it kind of helps your receiver group overall, and it makes you not need um, to use so many uh, of these receivers that we haven't really found to be uh, all all that talented on the roster. So he he's a guy I would splash the cash for. Yeah, that's who I had, too, for my big money was Jasicki. Because, like, 
I, I did something on him earlier because Omar Kelly, their beat writer in Miami, was like, he's going to go to Tennessee. And like he said that, like, not like, I think Tennessee might be interested. He said, like, bookmark me, he's going to end up in Tennessee. So I took note of that and I went and looked. And over the last two years, he's like fifth in receiving yards by a tight end behind uh, Kelsey, Kittle, uh, Mark Andrews, and somebody else that I'm forgetting. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, but he, like, I mean, a, a really respectable place for two straight years, and he's young enough to where you can give him a good contract with, you know, good AAV, and then by the end of it, it's not hurting you. Like, it's not giving a contract to, like, a 29-year-old tight end or something like that. Like, you know, it and he played with Tannehill his rookie year. So the fact that Omar Kelly brought that up makes me think that, like, he's either had conversations with Tannehill at some point, or he's had conversations with Jasicki at Gesicki, however you pronounce it at some point, or uh, there's been some communication. Cause it's not like you say he's going to go to Tennessee for the cloud of it. Like th- there is no value there unless you think you're right. So um, that's who I had for my high money too. Uh, low money. It, I guess it depends on what you, what you think is low because Mo Ali Cox, I, I think is a good pick. Um, if you're going like dirt cheap, I think Lee Smith is somebody who is a good tight end who has been like a run blocking specialist for years and years. And if you're just going to say like, look, you can find guys who catch the ball in the draft. Like, you know, th- there are, you know, receiving tight ends that come out every year, but they don't usually make it to the fourth round, like blocking tight end, you know, Tory Carter was an undrafted free agent and you could probably line him up at tight end like LSU did some and use him at tight end and he would work, but you couldn't split him out in the slot and use him like a wide receiver. So, you know, if you're going to spend on a high pick, like if you're going to spend a high pick on a tight end, do it for somebody who can catch. But to do that, you have to have somebody who can block. So I think you supplement it with somebody cheap like Smith or you can go out, like I said, and spend a lot of money on Jasicki and then just worry about the rest later. How how much do we think Tyler Conklin, for instance, is going to make? I, he is the one person who I have no – I don't know if <laughs> he's going to make $6 million or if he's going to make $10 million yeah. or if he's going to make $11 million. Because like, he plays a lot. He He's really liked by the Vikings fan base, and it seems like he can kind of do enough of everything. Like He reminds yeah. me of, of Dalton Schultz, but cheaper. Yeah. But he – like, um, he was like initially like more of a blocking tight end, but then Irv Smith got injured this past year, and Conklin just like totally took the opportunity and looked like a really solid um, tight end. So I could definitely see him getting paid, but if he doesn't get offers that are like kind of outrageous, I w- that's some someone I would also like the Titans to um, to look at for sure. Another big position where we would all agree the Titans need to add one, maybe two at least one in free agency, maybe two in free agency and one in the draft. There's got to be a lot done here in addition to tight end. That's wide receiver. We're going to get into the receivers in just a minute because there's a lot here too. There's some good options. There's some some options people are throwing around that I think we would all agree are terrible ideas. We're going to get into the wideouts in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Time to talk free agent wide receivers. 
we'll we'll handle this discussion just like we did the tight ends. Matthias, looking at the list, who are some guys off the top of your head you say, you know what, I think that would make sense? Jameson Crowder. Just really makes sense to me. Um, he's a veteran, established guy, um, a slot player who could, you know, he's, just uh, right away. I uh, know he's small. He's getting old. It, I just think he's Chester Rogers Jr. No, 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 no. Jameson Crowder can play, man. He is quick. He's pretty electric. I know he's getting kind of old, but he's still 29 years old. Chester Rogers had no athletic. Um, ability whatsoever. He had no speed. Um, Crowder can catch the ball. He can play inside. He can play outside also. I I think he would make sense for the Titans. Um, obviously, assuming Julio is on the team and is healthy, but I feel like, I feel like honestly, I feel like that's a big part of, of a lot of the discussion uh, that we're going to have is whether Julio um, is actually on the team and, and will actually be contributing, but I could definitely see them making a run for Crowder. I could have seen them trading for Crowder um, when they had drafted Elijah Moore last offseason, but um, that didn't come to fruition. I just think Jamison Crowder would be too much like Adam Humphreys. And I know I know they're stylistically different, but what I'm saying is the slot guy that people convince themselves is going to be more productive than he is. Because I remember when they signed Humphreys, I immediately tweeted that that was an uninspiring move to fix the receiver position, and that ended up being right partially due to injury, but it's not like Humphreys was changing the world when he was out there either. I was I was actually going to mention that he's similar to Humphreys, and that's why I think he would make sense for the <laughs> Titans, because that's exactly what the Titans wanted. They wanted like uh, kind of a pure slot receiver, but Crowder is obviously um, quicker, a little more electric than Adam Humphreys, so maybe they see that and, and think they could get... Um, that out of Crowder that they couldn't get out of Humphreys. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, because I, I agree with everything y'all are saying, and then I'm like, but what about Hunter Renfro? Like, can can nobody just, like, point to that guy and be like, hey, do that, like, because he looks unstoppable, and he has no defining, like, physical attributes, except, like, a bald head. So it's like, I, I don't understand why like all these guys can't like just take a half step forward and be as impressive as as that so i i don't know like i i'm i'm with you luke where you're talking about adam humphreys was the guy that everybody convinced was you know more helpful than he was but at the same time man it would really not be nice to not throw at nick westbrook akina because i know he's well, everybody's well, special i'm not boy. saying they shouldn't sign people i'm saying they shouldn't sign this people Right. I, I, again, I'm like I'm I'm with you. Like I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I'm but I'm all just saying, for bumping NWI down that depth chart. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, my point is just it, if they get somebody who can replace Humphreys, like what he did, if they get that guy this year, I will be very happy again. Just because it's been so terrible out there the last you know six months. Um, Juju, any takers? <laughs> I would 100%. Will is a Juju. big Juju fan. Why? I would, I, because he's like 25 years old. Like, I mean, like, he's super cheap. He's like, in 2020, he had 830 yards. Like, it, he's a good player. Like, 
he got hurt this year, so he didn't get to like put up any yards. And also, Ben Roethlisberger was like dead. But I, I mean, it, it's not like I mean, he had a good twenty twenty. He had a fine twenty nineteen, and then in twenty eighteen, he had fourteen hundred yards. And the year before that, he had nine hundred yards. So it's like in three fifths of his season and uh, th- seasons in the league, including last year, he had eight hundred yards or more. He's twenty five years old, like that's pretty young like to to roll the dice on like i don't know like you know he's a slot specialist i mean if you can get him for a moderate price i mean why wouldn't you yeah boo boo it feels like his career it feels like his career is over and he's 25 years old it's so weird yeah he's like there's gonna be like two or three draft picks this year who somebody's gonna be like and you know he's actually older than Juju Smith-Schuster, and it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster's sixth year in the league. Like, I, I, I think, I think Juju Smith-Schuster does not get enough credit for how good he was a couple of years ago. And then the entire offense in Pittsburgh kind of collapsed when Antonio Brown left, and everybody kind of puts it on him because he got hurt and he does the TikTok stuff. And all that. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I just he does not bother me the way he bothers a lot of people. So help me God if they sign Sammy Watkins. No, 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 no. That would yeah, be the sure. most anti-John Robinson signing. Mm. Um, right? Yeah. There's two two names I want to throw out here for us to discuss. One of them I think is more realistic than the other, both interesting. Will, you brought this one up when we were planning the show. DJ Chark. Bring another member of Tiger Nation into this offense to join Racy McMath. Uh, um, to join Tory Carter, my my son, yeah. the fullback. Um, um, I, I, I love that idea, Will. Yeah, like, people forget, like, DJ Shark is good. Like, he, he didn't get to play a lot last year because he got hurt, I think, against the Bengals, maybe, in, like, week five or something. But, like, nobody on that offense looked good. It, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Or I'm not saying anybody on that offense was good, but I can certainly tell you that nobody looked good. And Chark has done well. Like if you put Chark with Garner Minshew, like he's an 800, you know, maybe a thousand yard receiver. If you put him with Trevor Lawrence, he's probably going to get 600 yards. Like that. That's just what we've seen from those guys so far. So I mean, if you put him in a good offense, like he'll he can win. Like he isn't afraid to block. He's a big guy. He can win. You know at the catch point deep down the field, like he's a good player. Like uh, you can make the argument that when Julio's not healthy and when he's healthy, that he's probably the third best wide receiver in the AFC South right now. Like, I mean, that's, that's worth taking a shot at. Yeah. He's also still young, 25 years old, um, came out pretty early. Um, he's good man like he, he's a good player he could win at pretty much every level of the field we've seen it before um on deep routes he's a good contested catch uh receiver like he he I, i'm interested to see how much he's gonna make because he has a 1000 yard receiving season under his belt he did that with gardner Minshew, and, and then like you said he got injured last year um you would assume he's gonna make a good amount of money but I don't know. I mean, I did playing for the Jaguars kind of, uh, kind of makes it um, a toss up. You know, the receiver yeah. position as a whole is interesting to me from a money perspective because I want to say it was 
two or three years ago, there was a handful of free agent receivers that would have ordinarily been like day one guys, and they just sat and sat because they wanted money that they weren't getting, and it was this giant standoff. Do y'all want, does this ring a bell for y'all? I want to say this was 2019. Uh, I was it sounds it was familiar. Year. I was thinking it was like this year. And and guys right. guys wound up getting at that position a lot more than anyone expected. And it's just because it's such a valued position. It's it's my if I had to pick a favorite position in football, it's wide receiver. I just I love wide receivers. And I I don't know. I like the idea of DJ Chark. Like he's a fit, and I would think the money would be an option. Because you got one more cheap year of AJ Brown, and then you're just gonna replace Julio's money with him plus a little bit. But I don't know. I feel like this could be a situation where you know we get to a couple weeks from now, and all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, Devonte Adams is gonna either get tagged or get a big deal, and then like what happens if Allen Robinson gets, um, you know, eighteen million dollars or something, and then. The, the dominoes start to fall. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Galladay got $18 million per year last year. What a Robbie terrible Anderson. year he had. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Anderson's making like $15 million per year. Like, and that, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think we might be under... Uh, under anti- well, not, we're, we're, we're not undervaluing people. I think we're under-anticipating what these guys are going to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we saw Sammy Watkins a couple of years ago get $60 million per, and I could see a couple of these guys. Like, I don't know if Chark's going to make that much. I would probably say around probably 12 to 14, but um, I don't know if the Times are willing to pay that. Yeah, I mean, teams are so thirsty for corners and wide receivers. Like, they, they will pay, they will convince themselves that whatever deal they give is you know, a steal for them. And it, it very rarely works out to pay one of those guys in free agency. Like it just doesn't seem to work. I mean, like you talk about, uh, the giant signing Kenny Galladay, they signed a Dory Jackson for like a ton of money too. And like, I didn't hear his name once all season long. I like, I've not heard him mentioned positively or negatively. Like, I, I mean, you have to spend like crazy at those positions and you very rarely get your money out of it. Like the good ones usually stay home. So like it makes sense to not go after those big name guys, but then they all turn out to be like big name guys by the time the contracts are signed. So I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to figure out what to do. I wish they would take a look at T Y Hilton. Like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but T Y Hilton is like healthy five games a year like six he doesn't look that like having him as like the designated replacement for julio or aj or whatever when they get injured like that would be a fun it won't happen because either he'll retire or he'll want a bigger role with somebody but that would be the perfect fit for him and for the titans what i don't think can happen is what has happened each of the past two years which is we go in and we say, all right, the Titans need a receiver. And they don't really do it in free agency. They did it with Humphreys, sort of. Um, and, and well, they then, did trade for Julio. 
Well, actually, no. No, Humphreys was a while back. So, yeah, each of the last two years, go into free agency and we say, man, the Titans got to get a receiver. And then they don't do it. And we're like, hey, we look at what those guys made. That's too much for those guys. It's okay. They're going to do it in the draft. And then they don't do it in the draft. Like, John Robinson can't sit on his hands in free agency and then sit on his hands again in the draft. And don't give me, oh, they got Des Fitzpatrick. I know it's hindsight to say Des Fitzpatrick sucks, but drafting a receiver in the fourth round is not making a concerted effort to go get better at that position. It's not. And and so that approach has got to change. Something's got to change. Either they've got to get one day one or very early day two in the draft, or they're going to have to spend a little bit of money and bring someone in because this position group has got to get better. It's got to get more reliable. Uh, I'm I'm struggling with this because they did make an effort last last offseason because, first of all, they traded for Julio. With the Julio thing? Well, Julio. Yeah, that little, that plus, little old Julio thing. Plus, <laughs> Plus two receivers got drafted. Yes, one of them was like purely special teams, mostly development, whatever. And Des Fitzpatrick sucks, but at the time, they liked Des Fitzpatrick. Like, they saw him as a legitimate receiver prospect. I would say if this offseason they did that, they signed a big-name free agent, a la Julio Jones, whatever, uh, and they drafted a receiver in the fourth round, we would be saying, like, they attacked the position, right? Well, and also, like— don't forget that they signed Josh Reynolds to be the that's wide right. Oh, I that's right. Yeah. I, hey, I'm he's not. a free agent too. Maybe you can get him to come back and quit again. I, I mean, I'm sure he'd rather stay in Detroit where he was good. Yo, know, he was with a good. Smarter Detroit, legit. Yeah, it's weird how when people get away from Todd Downing, that seems to happen. Um, but so they like they traded for Julio. They signed Josh Reynolds, and they drafted two late round guys like. Six wide receivers deep on that list, with also with Cam Batson, who the team is in love with. Like it's hard for a run-heavy team that uses a lot of tight ends to do much more than that. And then the year before, I mean, the year before they had uh, in twenty twenty, they had Corey Davis, AJ Brown, and Adam Humphreys, who had been incredibly durable, and then he just got concussions that killed him. Like it, it wasn't like. They had nobody at the position. Now, did they go out and like spend a day three pick or you know do something like that to try to get somebody in the deep wide receiver class? No, but you know at the time, like that that was not the concern. Like the the concern wasn't this team needs to get another explosive receiver because I mean again Corey Davis and AJ Brown looked good. Like we didn't know that they weren't going to re-sign Corey Davis. I mean we might like we might have put it together similar to Harold Landry where it's like, okay, if this guy does have a big season, the Titans probably won't pay him what he'd make on the open market, similar to Harold Landry. But, you know, I, I don't think we were like he ne- – or at least I wasn't because I was a big Corey Davis fan. You know, we weren't like he needs to be replaced and he needs to be the third wide receiver. So I, I do think they should have – tried to hit on more wide receivers maybe in that class. But I do think they tried a a pretty decent amount to upgrade the wide receiver position last year. It just 
so much of it didn't work due to injuries or whatever happened to Josh Reynolds where he, you know, quit and decided he didn't want to be in Tennessee and, you know, all that stuff. I, I don't really know who to blame that. I mean, I guess I'll blame it on Josh Reynolds because everybody says he quit. But, you know, like, I, I do think they made a concerted effort. It just didn't pan out. So let's play our game. Big money, small money. Matthias, you can start us this time. So small money, I don't know what's considered small money for a receiver, but I'm going to go with someone who, $10 million? I mean, these days, isn't that kind of small money? I, I, was gonna I get, did not anticipate that. I was going to give you like worker. a fourth <laughs> string receiver. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no, uh, get, give us who you're going with. Give us who you're going with. Well, I was thinking. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, like, the big money is Chris Godwin and the small money is Demir Bird. Like, that's probably not what we're going for here. So, (laughs) the small money is Michael Gallup. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the exact two guys. No, I'm kidding. I did have Godwin though, because I would love to have Godwin, but I wasn't actually going to mention him. So, my whatever my my small money guy was Demarcus Robinson. Uh, from the Chiefs, he's not that great, but he can get open down the field. He's decent at every level of the field. Um, he's played with Pat Patrick Mahomes. He's not a bad player at all. I think he's going to be cheap just because he doesn't have the production, really, because there were a lot of mouths to feed um, on that team. But I think he could be a really solid number four, and if you need him, number three option um, on the offense. So that would be my guy who's relatively cheap. Um, big money guy, not going to mention Chris Godwin. I, I I love Michael Gallup, man. I want Michael Gallup on my team. He is one of the better route runners in the league. He gets open very easily. He's one of the better contested catch receivers. He gets deep down the field. He has good speed, really good awareness of the sidelines. Like He's awesome. He's genuinely awesome. He's had competition from Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, and every game he like still shows up and is looks like one of the best position players on their team. So he's someone that that I know he's coming off a torn ACL. If everything goes as planned with his recovery, I would be willing to spend a good amount of money on him because I think he's just a really good player, still young, and I think his best days are still ahead of him. Yeah, like, it depends, right? Because if you are saying we're going to go big money all, like, I'll start with my big money guy. Like, my big money guy is somebody that I think they could give big money to, but also get away from and cut. Like, I think Gallup's going to get a lot of guaranteed money. Mine is Allen Robinson, just because he's so, volatile is, is a strong word, but you know, it, it's if you have a wide receiver who can be that good on the open market, they've had to have some down years, and it's just because of injury. So, like, I mean, we've all seen Robinson be great, and there are legitimate excuses for why he has not been good. You know, it, he had Mitch Trubisky followed by Justin Fields. Like, that's a that's about as bad as the quarterback situation gets outside of playing for Jacksonville, which he also did in his career. So. You know, I, you have to feel bad for him there, and that kind of explains away some of his statistical disappearances. But he's also a guy where you could sign him and just say, like, okay, we're going to sign him to a three-year deal. We're going to give him good money in year one, 
split that in year two so we can cut him if we need room for AJ or, you know, we can rework some things if not. And then almost no guaranteed money in year three. And you just have to pay a lot in year one. And that's, that's kind of the, what I would target if I was them, because you also don't want to go, if you're going to put your chips in, you don't want to put your chips in on a guy and then them not be good. And it cost you AJ Brown, even though the cap's a myth. So that, that was my big money guy. I, my small money guy was T.Y. Hilton, like I talked about earlier, but all, but that was because I was thinking we were aiming for like six million, and I think that's probably the range he'll be in, like five, six million. Um, it middle tier, I think Odell's going to have a really weird market because you're going to have all these old school coaches, in, including Vrabel to an extent, where they're like, I don't want a guy who quit on their team mid season when the going gets tough. But then you also have a guy who you know. Every teammate in the world seemed to throw a party for him when he won the Super Bowl because they love him. And the more stories that come out, the more it seems like the locker room hates Baker Mayfield up there and that it really wasn't Odell. Like, I mean, it was Odell pushing himself out, but it was out of a situation where the entire team felt like he was not getting, you know, what he deserved. And, you know, he was kind of wasting away and disappearing in a situation where he shouldn't have. So, Vrabel, who's very much a player forward guy, I mean, he might say, like, look, I talked to guys in the league. They said they like Odell. You know, they they sign off on him. You know, we're going to give him a moderate, you know, like a two-year, like $24 million contract with an out next year. And they just roll the dice on getting somebody who can be good and make plays. But I, I don't know if they will do it. But if you've got money and you can convince him and say, like, you've got one year where you're going to be recovering from your ACL – You've got one year next year where you should be, you know, really hitting your stride and back to normal. So we're going to pay you to kind of split time with Julio. And then next year uh, you can take over the wide receiver one slash two role with AJ Brown, who's a better version of anybody you've ever played with. Like that, that's not a bad idea for him to get one more like shot with a contender before maybe, I mean, maybe another deal after that, but well, the I problem think with Odell Beckham is the knee. I don't care about the attitude. Well, so the knee is like it, looking at Jeffrey Simmons as as a, and that's not fair. But I'm just saying, like looking at Jeffrey Simmons as a milestone, right? So he didn't come back until like week eight or something like that, like his rookie year, and then he came back and played, and that was mm. that happened right after right yeah yeah so you you look at that and you say okay if we're thinking in year one we're treating him as julio 2.0 where his entire value will be decided based on what he does late in the season and because i mean like it or not the titans are probably going to win a bunch of games in the regular season next year like whether you like Vrabel or not, like, you know, this team is really good at winning games and the defense all of a sudden looks like maniacs and Derrick Henry's coming back and they won't be as injured as they were. Like, they just can't be. Like, it, you have to assume all the negatives they have regressed to some median and they they already won a bunch of games. So, you know, I, I would assume that they're going to be a playoff team next year just based on how easy it is to get in the playoffs and how talent they, talented they are and how solid they are. So then you've got to think, do I want a guy who can put up good numbers in the regular season or do I want a guy who might explode like Odell did this year and be a huge impact player in December and January? 
So I don't know. That, that That's my spiel for why Odell should get some attention. I just, I just don't think that's I, I, your logic is sound. I just see so little chance of it happening. I'm not again. Well, that's not me saying, Oh, that's a terrible idea. I just don't think it's realistic. Yeah, I'm with you. I, like, I, I don't think the, like I said, the only way I can talk myself into it is because Belichick has always been a guy who will sign off on these kind of character, like same thing that happened with Randy Moss, like these character issue guys who kind of quit on their teams. Like Belichick's always been a big proponent of them. Frabel, you know, lo- loves to listen to players first and put all that forward. And it's not like Odell went full Antonio Brown, but I do, I do agree with you. Like it, it like that chance of it happening seems very low. My big money guy, or did you list a small money guy? Will? Uh, yeah. T Y Hilton. That's right. Uh, that's slash right. Odell. If, if, that's if yeah. we're doing ten million is cheap. So uh big money guy for me is Chark. And again, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how much he gets. I think he's a fit. I think he'd be a good addition. And in terms of a small money guy, like I don't know, I think Hilton potentially makes sense. I think uh, man, wouldn't you love to see Deshaun Jackson? We've begged for that for, for years. Yeah. He he would he would get out on one play and then just immediately snap both hamstrings, just stepping on the field. Like <laughs> Nissan stadium is cursed like that. <laughs> what do we think Christian Kirk would make? Spot Sparrax uh, is 11 something. Million. Yeah. And, and I, like, I, I think that's fair. Cause he was, he's been pretty good. What, what does spot say for Valdez scaling? That's what I'm interested in. $85 million. No, I didn't actually. Look <laughs> Because like he's never been productive, he's kind of struggled <laughs> with he's kind of struggled with injuries and drops. But dude, that guy is so fast, so big, he can always get open. Uh, let me introduce much... you to a man named Sammy Watkins, who you can get <laughs> who also <laughs> no, fits no, that no, description. No. <laughs> um, well, I'm looking him up right now, and. Spotrack is Spotrack, so you got to kind of bear with me. This is great radio. <laughs> is, is Valdez Scantling even a free agent? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe so. He's I just like uh, all the pat. Well, no, Lazard is um is a restricted free agent. Uh, Valdez Scantling is send is him a first round pick. I think EQ EQ St. Brown is also. An unrestricted page. All right, we have a number, <laughs> and that number it is. is slowly loading. I spoke too soon. <laughs> oh my god! It's just fantastic. a big white screen. Eight point seven million. Okay, that, yeah. that makes sense. But I this would. is kind of get at what I was saying. At like some of the, these receivers, they uh, they rake it in. Yeah, that's a, that's too too rich. But, for my but what what you what you've got to convince me is. In what world does Marquez Valdez Scantling come to Tennessee and become more productive than he was with Aaron Rodgers? No, no, no. Like, so well, they've it's got like it's Brian like, Tannehill in Tennessee. Of course he will. That's true, and I'm sure Tannehill loves <laughs> any of his family members, which makes him a better human than Aaron Rodgers. But uh, it does not make him a better quarterback. Oh man, we we haven't even gotten through and it's already been an hour. We're going to have to punt some of this to next week cuz we wanted to talk about offensive line and there's so much to be determined there. Um 
quickly, let's have this discussion before we get into offensive linemen they can add. We haven't even – I mean, we were going to talk about do they even need anything on the defense in free agency. We'll have to put that conversation to next week. But I think there's a real shot that between right now and when we come back next week, one of either Roger Saffold or Taylor Lewan is no longer a Titan. So in the time we have remaining, Will, I want you to kick us off in this conversation. You have mentioned that every day you have a different idea on whether you're going to cut Taylor Lewan. I think we all agree you have to cut Saffold. The money is too high, and the poor guy could barely get through games last year. What's the logic on Lawan, Will? Where are you today? What do you do if you're the Titans? So I've sort of settled into a 0% cut Taylor Lawan because I've looked at so many, like I went back and I looked over the last five years of guys who've been like offensive tackles specifically left tackles who's been who've been traded at you know just in general like you know valuable left tackles who've been traded and yeah looking at his contract and his age like you could probably get based on you know historical references you could probably get a third round pick for Lawan. so there's no reason to cut him the other option is you restructure, you give him guaranteed money this year, and you basically give him a void year next year, and you come back to the table and you figure it out after that. But you you keep him for one more ride, and then you see what happens after that, and basically kind of like franchise tag him with your own deal, um, which is an option. But I I mean I think that I think the biggest takeaway I have from Taylor the One right now is he's gonna be too much of a cap hit next next year like he's playing well probably not well enough to to make his cap hit stomachable if that's a word uh but he's playing good well enough to where you don't want to cut him and then you basically give him away to somebody when you had a guy at a premium position who could have saved you money and given you good snaps who by all accounts, loves the you know loves the team, loves the franchise, all that. So, right now, I stand on if he would if there was any way to reduce his cap hit and keep him, great. Like do that. Let Raiden's play right tackle, even though I don't necessarily think that's a good fit for him. I think he should play left. But you do that, and then you just see what you have at the end of the year, and you go from there. But uh, just just get you would have to give me an asset that makes sense that I can convince myself I could do something with to get rid of uh, Taylor Lewan. I'm with you. Because it's easy, again, Sappold can't get through games thing, that you set that aside. But it's very easy to say, oh, well, think of the cap space they could clear up. But what you have to realize is you have to replace the player. And I realize that Lawan is not all world, and he has taken a step back from where he once was, but he's still very solid. He went a long streak this season without giving up a sack, and you know the ACL thing is real. The year after, it's a little tough. He battled, and after the debacle in week one, he was kind of okay. He settled in, and he was fine. Um, and I don't know where you're going to find that in free agency between now and then. I mean, you don't want Kendall Lamb starting at left tackle or some second or third round rookie probably. I 
I'm kind of with you there. I just think the risk reward does not line up. What do you think, Matias? So, well, I have a question for you guys. Do you think if, let's say, we keep Luan, Ben Jones, and Nate Davis, then you put Radons at right tackle and you get a new left guard? Do you think that would solve the O line issues that we had last season? Say that one more time for me. We keep Lawan, uh we keep left tackle, center, right guard, and then what do we do? You put Radons at right tackle instead of Questenberry, and you get a new left guard instead of Saffold. Well, I think you can just put Brewer at left guard. Like that that would be my first move. Is like maybe you get a Kendall Lamb type, like that, like a Ty Sambrello, like that kind of mid tier, you know, maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't, but it's a cheap shot. But I, I mean, I, I think Brewer's been good enough to let him play left guard. So you think the O-line would be as good or better if we do that? I'm still I, concerned about the O-line. They were pretty pretty I bad pass-blocking-wise last year. is one of the worst offensive tackles to yeah. start a full season. Like, <laughs> not not right tackle, not NFL tackle. Like, for a, for a football player to start a full season, I think he was – it was – just, uh, I mean, it was just bad. Um, so I have no reason to suspect that a year older he'll be any better. Um, so the idea of improving from him to the guy who was so good that Joey Bo- or that uh, Nick Bosa went to the other side to beat up on Questenberry, like that, that feels like an upgrade to me. And uh, Brewer was already playing a, like a, a decent chunk of the left guard snaps last year, like. Uh, so I mean I, I feel pretty comfortable there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They were pretty good in the playoffs, also against the Bengals. They they did a really good job, honestly. Tannehill was pretty protected for the most part. So yeah, maybe they yeah. Maybe something will happen before next time. Do, what do we think? Do we think it's going to happen in the next week, or they'll wait until free agency starts, like they did with Adoree and Dennis Kelly? No, there's some deadline, like March 5th or something. I, I'm, I'm not 100% clear on it, but I think like this week they have to make a decision before some of the contracts get locked in. Um, hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't know when that date is, but I believe there's a date sometime this week. And like I said, in my head it says it's March 5th, but don't quote me on that, where they have to be, if they're cutting Lawan, they Lawan. Like if they if they're gonna cut Saf, like I don't know if it's something to do with guarantees or what, but that that was my recollection. So by the next time we talk, we should have a lot more clarity on the offensive line. We'll see. It'll be interesting. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, stop the nonsense. It is time for Stop the Nonsense. And be sure to come back next week because, like I said, we really only got through about half of what we wanted to talk to today. So we're going to have some good free agency conversations to round this out next week before uh, everything is going to start hitting the fan. But for now, it is time to rebuke some nonsense as we do so well every week on this show. Who would like to start? I'll start uh, because it's my favorite topic, which is the Colts. Um, So it's the combine and general managers and head coaches are almost required by law to speak. 
um, except for Bill Belichick, who doesn't have to do it because he didn't want to talk about the Flores case. But uh, the Colts had their day today on Tuesday, and uh, it was a lot of like fun, like listening to Ballard and Wright kind of uh, dance around like what they were going to do with Carson Wentz, but. The funniest tweet of the day, incidentally or not, uh, for me, came from Tron Davenport, who we've had on the show, who's awesome. Uh, and it says, quote, Reich said he hasn't had a, quote, Carson Wentz-specific conversation with Chris Ballard, but feels Wentz being back is a logical decision. So. Oh, my gosh. It is insane to me to say that bringing Wentz back is a logical decision, but that's not even the worst part of the take. Like the <laughs> idea that Wright can be like, Oh, the quarterback situation, you know, me and Chris, we, we haven't even thought about that yet. We hadn't even talked about it. Like, or like, I cannot imagine a world where that flies. Like the, there's yeah. no situation in which they didn't talk about it. The minute after they lost to the Jaguars, like, I mean, not only that, but Jim Irsay was given plain side confessionals where he was like, yeah, I don't know. We just uh, it's it's been bad. I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we have guys, you know, we got to have a leader in that. Like he basically said, like, he's so disappointed in the trade. And the only reason Reich's saying this is because he also was quoted earlier saying he stuck his neck out for Carson Wentz. So I don't know who to blame here, like blame the GM for sticking his neck out or for going with. Reich because he stuck his neck out for a guy he'd coached before, even though all of the tape said that Carson Wentz was, you know, damaged goods at best. Like that seems like a dumb decision. Do you blame Reich for pulling for one of his guys? Like, yeah, that's a dumb decision too. Like, do you blame them for not? I, I mean, there's just so many people to blame. It's great because it, you know, this won't be read as Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are, aren't communicating and they're making bad decisions. It'll, there'll be some positive spin put on it. But for now, we can enjoy the absolute dysfunction that must be happening inside of Jim Mercer's house. And it's, it is awesome to watch. Yeah. Very weird. And also the comment about like, we're not playing building to win the division. We're playing to, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand Wait. that. Sure. Just build your team to be good. Like, I don't I don't build a team to beat the three, you know, well the uh the the Buccaneers have Tom Brady. So I'm going to go get a bunch of pass rushers so that we can beat Tom. I, that's ridiculous. Just build the best team you can for what you want to do. Yeah, he's a liar. Like that I mean that's that's like it, the reason he said that is because he said the only thing that the Titans haven't done to us is win the Super Bowl. So all I can say is we've both won zero Super Bowls, and like that's his only. Defense. He really said like, well, that. No, but that's what that's what the comment means, right? Is like I like we're not we're not playing to win the AFC. We're not building the team to win the AFC South. It's like yeah, yeah you are. Like you, like you you're playing be. to beat good teams. Right. Like you get your teeth kicked in. Like you know if you face another team like that in the playoffs, like the Titans. I mean, you know who's been in the tight? Who you know who's been in the playoffs the last two years and three out of the last four? Yeah, the Titans. Like, so if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you better be prepared to beat the Titans, and you better be building a team for that because we're already waiting. It's three straight years to the playoffs for the Titans. Matthias, oh, what do you got? 
Um, I don't usually. Well, I, I was thinking about doing Rob Manfred, who uh, is the worst commissioner yeah. ever, possibly in sports. But uh, I remembered that um, I usually don't call people directly out. But um, I saw a tweet from our good friend Titans Rossi, who I think has a YouTube channel uh, about the Titans. And it was a video of Mason Kinsey working out. And uh, he his caption was, well, Titans Rossi's caption was, Mason Kinsey is ready to go, putting in work every day, even during the offseason, to be a difference maker for the Titans next season. Look at the cuts he is making. Wow. And then someone, someone quote tweeted, please be our Wes Welker, which, you know, classic short white guy receiver has to be the next Wes Welker. Um, and then I saw some replies under this original uh, Times Rossi tweet, um, and he just kept using the same words, talented, trying to work his way onto the NFL roster, grinder, never stops working to be better, dude is putting in work. We got to stop, man. I, I've seen this. I've seen this about Mason Kinsey in the past. Good for him, man. Look, I hope it works out because seems like a nice guy and he did some decent things in the preseason. But it's not happening, man. It's not happening. If he couldn't cut it on the Times roster last year, given the receivers that we were trotting out out there, uh, it's not going to happen. So just let it go. And we really don't have to hype up every single Titans player who is trying to make the team. This happens every year, every offseason also. And uh, it's just it's just not necessary. There's no need for it. Yeah, Mason Kinsey was like wide receiver eight or nine in camp last year. And that was with Des Fitzpatrick on the team. Um, I'm not – my stop the nonsense is not Kyler Murray and this whole very weird situation where – you know, it started when he deleted the Cardinals from his Instagram, and then his his uh, agent put out this novel on Monday morning. You know, I think insane we, statement, insane Will, statement. Will we no were talking last week about the response where it's like, uh, uh, "Sorry that happened," <laughs> or "Congrats, too long to read." Right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, happy for you. Uh, happy for you, or said that happened to you. I, I'm not reading all that. Yeah, it was very much one of the. I have yet to read this statement. I have just heard like Rich Eisen and others interpreting it. Will you say something, Will? No, I was saying same. Like I, I have uh, seen it, and everybody is like showing receipt, like printed out receipts, and I'm like, there's yeah, no chance. Of it's like from. This. I remember going to Lowe's with my dad growing up, and the receipt would be like a yard long. That kind of thing. No, but that's not my stop the nonsense, even though that is nonsense. My stop the nonsense is at NFL rums or rooms. I can't take it anymore. It is this fraudulent account at NFL R-U-M-S. I give you the at not to give them clout, but so that you can get on Twitter right now and block them just as I have. Because it has repeatedly been proven to be a fake account, account that just throws stuff at the wall and eventually some of it sticks they, it's not an insider. There's no scoops being had. This is not Ari Mayrov who is aggregating news from places. It's just tweeting dribble. I could make my own version of this account. What What is happening is fans are seeing that, and they're so thirsty for information, and they get so excited that they retweet it. 
and and it, even though I've blocked them, they constantly still end up on my timeline somehow. Please, for the sake of all that is good and holy, go block at NFL Rums, N-F-L-R-U-M-S, and be done with it. It's not true. It's it's nonsense. It's 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 fraudulent. Terrible account name, by the way. NFL Rums. It's it short just for sounds, rumors, but I know, but it, sound, it just sounds fake. <laughs> I, I mean, it, how long ago was it? Two years, I guess, when we were all following that Shane guy on uh, Twitter, who was like followed by Ian Rappaport, who was talking about. Uh, Jadavian Clowney and what he was doing and all that like that was a crazy situation and it turns out that guy is even more connected than this guy I mean it, the NFL rumors dude does bring up the good fun interesting free agent possibility of Donta Hightower is expected to have interest from the Dolphins and the Titans which is fun um Titans are not signing Dante Hightower sorry to break no. it to you no but it, it is it is very funny to like go and if you don't want to block them feel free to quote tweet him and send him to Luke. He, he really does <laughs> yeah. like him. He's just I, addicted I know, to him. I know that's going to happen from some of you. Our, our, our friend Eldon English has already jumped on that bandwagon. All of you nice people who are on my side. <laughs> that's going to do it for this this week. Next week, we're going to wrap up free agency conversation because the week after that, we're going to be recapping free agency. Isn't that wild? Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.